One of the great challenges in the world is to avoid becoming greedy. And yet so many people are so consumed and desire so much to have more money, to have more power, to buy more things, and they become idols. We're going to be starting a new series in James chapter 5 entitled, Patiently Awaiting the Return of Christ. On today's episode, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 1 through 6 and learning about judgment that will befall the greedy rich. So turn in James chapter 5 and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed in the Lord. Thank you guys once again for just taking the time here on Stand Strong in the Word to just go through Scripture with me. As we're about to finish the book of James, we're in the last chapter. And as I said in the opening, the new series is patiently awaiting the return of Christ. As always, if you've missed any previous podcast, you can always go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast, and all of those things are made available for you. We're actually going to be retooling it uh, shortly where I'll be providing more notes. We're going to be breaking up all the gospel lessons. I think there's like a hundred and some odd gospel lessons alone, and we're going to be putting them in, you know, they're already in chronological order based on how I taught them. But we're going to try to construct it on the website in a way to where it's easy for you to kind of navigate through that. So just be praying for that, that we can be able to work that out with my team. And we're also going to be putting together, um, you know, the other things that we did with the book of Acts. We'll do the same thing there, and then we'll provide the book of James. Once we're finished with the book of James, we're going to be diving into the book of Galatians. And I've already been studying up on that and cannot wait for us to to dive into that uh, book specifically together. So today's podcast 155, we left off in James chapter four, verses 13 through 18. And we're talking about foolish planning for the future. And the concept there from James standpoint was so often people, they, they don't anticipate God working in a certain way through faith. They just go ahead and plan it according to how they want things to turn out. And this kind of coincides, again, this is one big letter. And so we can't dismiss the connection where we left off in James chapter 4, 13 through 18, and what we're going to be reading here in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I just want to say this as we're kind of transitioning at this point in the letter. What I usually do, and I encourage you guys to do the same, when you come to the end of a letter, sometimes pause Always, obviously always pray as you dive into scripture and we're going to pray in a minute. But when you go back to the beginning, just recall certain key uh, moments, you know, a, a certain word or a message that the writer, in this case, James keeps reinforcing. And what's so profound here is if you go back in James chapter one, you see in James chapter two, you see it in every chapter, again, short letter. But the greedy rich is, is someone that James has been confronting since the beginning. And when you allow greed to consume you, you're not letting the wisdom of God to control you, to guide you. You will not be consumed by the affairs of God, but rather you're going to be sucked in to the things of the world. 
So I challenge you to go back and see where this, not in an accusatory sense, but there is a open rebuking, you guys, that James has on the greedy rich. But this is when he lets loose. And I think it's also important to understand contextually, and oftentimes there are passages like in the book of Hebrews and in this case here in the book of James, when is Paul or James in, or the writer of Hebrews referring to Christians and when are they not referring to Christians? So I do believe that this portion specifically and understanding that most of my audience here, the Stand Strong in the Word podcast are believers, that this is definitely an indictment on people who are not genuine followers of Jesus Christ. So keep that in mind when he's talking about this coming judgment uh, on the greedy rich. And that's the reason why I use that phrase, greedy rich. It's not just rich people. Um, it's not just greedy people, but greedy rich, is this is, this is their religion. They have idolized money so much in the, in the power or the feeling or the experiences that they gain as a result of the idolization of money. They like what money gives them, right? And that's why a lot of people can't part with it. Or that's why so many people uh, want to live a wealthy life because they want to have nice things. They want to live this luxurious life. And we've all been there from time to time when you've maybe were blessed to experience, um, you know, a resort-like, you know, vacation uh, on the dime of somebody who maybe was taking care of you. I remember years ago, my wife and I were going to a conference and we had just launched Stand Strong Ministries. And so we were walking away from local church ministry and we were building support and I had not, I hadn't even finished, um, I think at the time, my first manuscript, my first book. I mean, I wasn't really known out there in the publishing world. And God had blessed us with some key families who began to catch the vision with us. And they were so generous. And many of them are still uh, very close to us today and still support the ministry. We thank the Lord for them every day. And a lot of them support this podcast and make it possible for me to record and put these things out every week. And I remember one of the advisors that God had put in my life and was really kind of helping me uh, put together a business plan and how we were going to, you know, build the ministry. And so we heard about this conference, this opportunity, and we saw it as an opportunity to be educated, right? I can go and take a lot of these workshops and, and learn about the nonprofit world. But my friend also saw it as an opportunity to say, when you go there, make sure you take your wife and I want you to be on my platinum card at this resort. As a matter of fact, I'm going to sign you up. I'm going to register you at the conference under my name at the resort and you're going to have my, my card and wherever you go, you can use it. Now, what that did was it gave us access to a better room. Uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, access to the, the, to the spa and all these great things, these amenities that we would not have had, had my friend not offered it. And he was so kind and, and my wife and I, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a time of, of great learning and humility, but it was also a time to relax. And periodically, my wife and I would mention that. Now, again, that is not a life that we normally live. We don't hit up these nice hotels and, and have these platinum cards where, you know, we have all these great amenities and stuff like that. You know, we don't live large like that. Um, and, and it's okay if other people do. That's not my point. I'm just saying that 
it's nice to experience those things. And, and there are times when you wish like, man, what if my life was like this? But I think especially people that are ministers of the gospel, uh, we have to be very careful, all of us as Christians, but especially if you think about your pastor, that you cannot let anything get in the way between your calling that God has given you to minister the gospel to people. We see throughout the, the, the letters of Paul that he says, I never took advantage of you. I never used uh, what you had and manipulated you for money, for, for financial gain, basically. And of course, you throw that in context with a lot of prosperity people. So the reason I also wanted to mention that to you guys is, is that we all at times are going to be tested. And there is that temptation to, to want to, to pursue nice things, to gain the riches, to afford a certain lifestyle. And we all have to be careful. There are some listening who are far more financially um, you know, secure than I am. And God has blessed you. God has given you the resources you have in this world to advance the kingdom of heaven in a way that I can't. And there's other people listening that you don't have as much, but God is saying, it's not financial money that I've given you to advance the kingdom of heaven per se, but it's the faith. It's the hospitality. It's your personality. It's, it's the connections. Maybe you know a lot of people. Maybe you're fearless. Whatever the case may be. So even though this may not directly be a coming judgment on you or me because we're greedy, rich, and we're not saved, but I think we still, the takeaway is not to get so consumed by the ways of the world that we neglect having an eternal perspective. And also, as I mentioned, the prosperity people, we also have to put them in context because I do think a lot of these people like the Benny Hens of the world and the Paula Whites of the world and the Creflo Dollar of the world. And maybe for a second there, as you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time and you're fans of those people, yes, I respectfully call them out as prosperity teachers who are falsely portraying the message of the gospel. And many of them live off the backs of people who've worked hard, who give money because they think they're going to receive a blessing as a result. And a lot of that, guys, is a scam. And what James does here he calls these people out who, again, who are influencers in the church. Doesn't mean they're Christian. Remember, the church is just getting started. It's been around for less than 20 years at this point. And he calls them out. So let's dive into James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. The title is The Coming Judgment on the Greedy Rich. Now remember, there's about five portions, five sections in James chapter 5. So the next few weeks I'll be covering under this uh, title series called patiently awaiting the return of Christ. So every aspect that we get into in James chapter five points back to our focus needs to be being needs to be on God and advancing his kingdom as we anticipate God's return, Christ's return specifically, the Son of God, that he will find you and me being faithful stewards, right? That we're faithfully executing what he has called us to do rather than living large right here in this world. So let's jump in. James chapter five, verse one says, come now, you rich, weep and howl. That literally means burst into tears for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. 
Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion, that literally means in Greek, the poison will be evidence against you. And you will eat your flesh like fire. You've laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. (laughs) Okay. So just the sound, again, these six verses, notice the open cry, the declaration, the rebuke that James lays out here. Now, the same opening address in James here in verse 1, where it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you, is used also in, remember, chapter 4, verse 13. I said a minute ago, what we, where we just left off about foolish planning for the future, verses 13 through 18, jump, you guys, we, we have to keep that in context. I know it's chapter 4, and then you get into chapter 5, and we can kind of separate them like I did, where in the sense of like two different, like, series titles, but that does not mean that they don't go hand in hand. Of course they do. And so, I mean, technically here, as you look at this verse or you're listening, as I've laid it out, come now you rich weep in hell for the miseries that are coming upon you is the same reference. What he said in verse 13 of chapter four, come now you who say, come now you rich weep in hell. And then he goes and you go back in James chapter four, verse 13 today, or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a, a year there and trade and make a profit. So notice as I was saying, and I spent quite some time, I th- because I think this is important because oftentimes people will take things out of context. We have to understand the language and what this indictment is on is because these are people who are not Christians. That does, again, that does not mean that as Christians we are uh, you know, um, immune, of course we're going to suffer with greed. Of course we're going to uh, do things that we shouldn't do for, for money. But this is different as I read through this portion of this indictment that James puts on the greedy rich. But I spent enough time, you guys, as I'm even doing right now, to stress to us that we have to understand who James is referring to. So, for example, you rich... He says, come now, you rich. Remember, before, come now, you who say today or tomorrow. Now, that still is not just in reference to the greedy rich back in James chapter 4, verse 13. That, that's all of us planning ahead and just hoping and assuming that God's going to bless it because this is what I want, like a spoiled brat. So J- James doesn't refer to, quote, the rich, end quote, as brethren in this section. This is important. Because if you go to James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, you see the distinction. No, what he's doing, and, in, and for the most part, and I don't remember exactly if I mentioned this in the last podcast when we were going through Hebrews chapter, or excuse me, James chapter 4, 13 through 17. But there are some commentaries who link the unbelievers in James 4, 13 through 17, and now here in James 5, 1 through 6. Like, so it's a continuation So this is like a a two-part indictment. You plan your life without God 
And here, as a greedy rich people, you use and abuse people, even committing murder. Now, I tend to think that in chapter 4, 13 through 17, and throwing in verse 18, is still open to not specifically just the greedy rich. I think it's building. It's like you have this in common, all of you guys, but then it gets worse, like in this case in 1 through 6, where the greed just consumes these people where that's their religion. So some people believe back in chapter four, he's dealing with unbelievers as the rich. So whatever the case though, the point is there's still lessons for us to learn here. Now the phrase here, weep in hell, this is an interesting phrase. What James publicly does is this is a declaration. As I mentioned earlier, this is a rebuke to the greedy rich because they're oppressing the poor. Now, the phrase weep in hell, this is a very common theme that is among prophetic writings. If you look at prophetic writings. So James, if you will, is acting as a prophet. What he's saying is if you continue down this path, this is going to be your guys' outcome, outcome prophetically. And, and so what he's being a voice of God. We know that he's, he's copying his half-brother from the Sermon on the Mount. That's like his blueprint. That's his outline for the, the entire letter. So you know, quite literally, he's copying from God himself, but also inspired by the Holy Spirit, but also taking from prophetic writings who were who were also inspired by the Spirit. So the terminology, the language that he's using here is very descriptive as a prophet. And so James, he calls upon the unjust rich in this such a way, just like the prophets did, and calls him out, calls their sin out, tells him to repent. And then he warns of God's impending judgment if you don't repent. Again, the descriptions are very similar in the Old Testament judgments. When you look at the prophet Isaiah in chapter 13, in chapter 15, verse 3, when you look at Amos chapter 8, verse 3, when you go back to the Jewish wars that occurred in AD 66 to 73, you look and you see even the wealthy um, Sadducean landowners and many of these merchants, they lost their positions of power and their personal belongings. And so in a way, the war was a judgment on the unjust rich. So we, we saw, I mean, historically speaking, you guys, r- roughly after this point, things progressively got worse and judgment did fall upon these landowners. So prophetically, James was calling these people out. And I do believe the Jewish wars was, was in part a judgment because of the unjust rich, what they did to the landowners the merchants, and they took over and they became the landowners and they became the merchants. So he says here in verse two, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. So this poison, this corrosion is this poison. And I, I love this phrase where he says, and it will be evidence against you and you eat your flesh like fire. Why? Because you have laid up treasure in the last days. All right, so let's unpack this. The first charge is brought against the greedy rich. Notice he warned them, didn't he? Come now, you rich. Like, you guys have to repent. That's what a prophet did. And then they proceed to give the indictment. And in this case, what James does, again, he's falling in line, you guys, like an Old Testament prophet. He gives a first charge against them in this coming judgment, this impending judgment, by showing them of their injustice that they have amassed. This is what you guys have done. So you're not free and clear. 
They have greedily acquired so much wealth, the, all the riches and the garments and the gold and the silver that they have ignored to care for those in need because they just needed more and more and more. So what's happened is that their very riches, they're, they're corroded. There's a corrosion here. Their possessions waste away. And, and, and in the end, their lives will waste away because of their greed and because of corruption. And you and I have seen that. We've all seen that. I mean, you think about how many stories behind the music kind of stuff have we seen of, of legendary rock stars, hip-hop artists, you name it. And, and you just see them waste away because of drugs and alcohol, the fame, the, the, just the, the, the popularity, the money, the success. It destroys them. Listen to what the expository's Bible commentary says. Quote, they have so much wealth. This is describing the greedy rich. They have so much wealth stored up that it has rotted. Their clothes also are moth-eaten. Wealth in those days consisted of both money and such commodity as grain, oil, and costly garments. Evidence that costly garments were stored as wealth and used as payment for services rendered occurs in such passages in 2 Kings 5 and Matthew 6 verse 19. Thus what rotted were the commodities and what had been invaded by moss were the stored garments. There is no reason to take these happenings as figurative or as predictive of the future. The tragic fact was that the rich had hoarded so much food and clothing that it was going to waste. Their crime was uncontrolled greed that resulted in oppression of the poor, end quote. So when he says you have laid up treasure in the last days, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So they have so much wealth, you guys. They are not taking a portion of what they have. They're hoarding it. They're hoarders. They care only about themselves, but yet they have so much that eventually it wastes away. I want us to like envision right now, and I, I saw a stat recently that when you take the combined in America, just speaking in America, you take about the wasted food, about a third of the food that we buy on average is wasted. I mean, just the other day, my wife and I were making a lunch and she handed me some cheese and some meat and said, here, you know, eat this up. And we had different brands of meats from two different grocery stores. I said, well, okay, so these are good, right? And she's like, yeah. And I started to eat some of the cheese and I was like, whoa, wait. <laughs> I mean, some cheese has that smell, right? But this had a really bad smell. Well, it was a month old and I had taken a bite of it and of course it didn't taste good. Thank, thank God I have a strong stomach. But it was like, oh my gosh, like we just continue to buy stuff and not look at what, and we, we have, sometimes we can do that. Now we don't have a, you know, we don't do it all the time. But but if you if you look at the waste, we throw out a lot of food because we just move on to the next. We move on to the next. And even though we can have leftovers or we forget that we had five of something um, and then eventually they get wasted. You know, during COVID, a lot of people were just stocking up so much that they were, you know, uh, putting things away. I have some friends of ours they had a leakage in their house and they had a bunch of toiletry stuff that they had stocked up for months on end. They didn't care about anybody else. They weren't planning on sharing it and it got spoiled. The water got in there and, and ruined all of it. I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe there was a lesson there. But this is worse. 
because these are non-believers. Their, their, their heaven, if you will, is on the earth. Their God, if you will, is money. And that's why the only thing that the rich cared about, what Paul's calling, or excuse me, James is calling him out, was acquiring more wealth. That's all they cared about. So their success was the, was the next dollar. And sometimes when you, when you hear about celebrities or I should say celebrity athletes, you know, they, once they, 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 they win that ring, they, they, it's, it's like, well, which one do you like the most? Uh, the next one. So they, they don't enjoy what they've already achieved. Now it's never enough. I, I gotta, I gotta win more and more and more and more. And so I'm reminded you guys in Luke chapter 12, verses 33, 34, this isn't just for non-believers. This is clearly for us as Christians, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that, that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So clearly these greedy rich people, their heart was in the world. Their heart was for themselves. But yet we are not to be controlled by our possessions, but to control our possessions for the glory of God. And then it says in verse four, behold, the wage of the laborers who mowed your fields. Now there's another charge, the second one that James brings against the greedy rich and it's their dishonesty. So remember the first indictment, if you will, the first charge is the coming judgment because of their injustice, the unjust way that they've amassed their wealth. And so he goes further, James here, and says, you guys are dishonest. You, you kept back by fraud and they're crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have even reached the Lord of hosts. Think about this. If you have played people, if you've taken advantage of people who are less fortunate, who don't have as much, and they're honorable people, and they put their trust. I, sometimes I watch those scam things on CNBC. And it just breaks my heart that so many people bought into something. Now, sometimes their motive was to invest in something because they wanted to make more money, but they trusted. The point is they trusted this person, yet the whole time was a scam. This guy was just taking advantage of these people's earnings or their age, like the prosperity people. They'll lie to you and say, God gave me a vision and you're hurting right now. And if you sow a seed of $1,000 and you send it to our ministry, I'll pray for you and you'll be healed. And sadly, people believe it and they, they put in the money. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form questioning that God can't heal. Of course he can. But he doesn't use scammers like that to bring the healing. So these greedy rich landowners and merchants, they were being dishonest. They failed to pay what their workers were rightly owed. And now... What James is doing is he's pulling scripture in Leviticus 19 verse 13 that says, do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. I mean, you think about how bad things have gotten because of the greedy rich in corporate life today and how they take advantage of people. Now I like, because it brings the context here, what the NIV Cultural Background Study Bible says. For this setting... We're talking about the, the poverty and the revolt in Judea and stuff like that. It's unfolding here. They say the wages you you know you failed to pay the workers. The wealthy landers often lived far away from the estates where their laborers worked, and so the tenant farmers normally pay the landowner a share of the crops. But landowners could also use slaves, or as in this case, temporary workers, temporary workers, day laborers, especially in demand during the harvest. 
made subsistence wages. They depended on these daily wages to feed themselves and their families. So that may not be so much the case, you know, for most people, let's say, speaking just for, you know, the United States of America. But at that culture, that time, it was a daily wage. They did not have daily work. But if they worked a day's wages, they got paid that day so they could feed the family that day. I mean, it was a day-to-day living, you guys. They didn't have savings accounts and a, a lake house type of thing. These people were day laborers. And so the harvest needed these daily laborers to come in and they were, were entitled, obviously. And that's why these tenant farmers, they would normally pay these landowners a share of the crops. But what was happening in this case, what James is calling out is their dishonesty. You say you're going to pay people, but then you hold back the wages. And then another day comes and they work. So they haven't fed their family yesterday. And they work a second day and you don't feed them. So then their family goes without food two days. So it's 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 literally, you guys, not just not paying them for their for their worth, for their work, but it's jeopardizing the well-being of their family. So we got to keep that in context. You have lived on earth in luxury, verse 5. That means you've led a soft life and self-indulgence. The word here in Greek is extravagant, absolutely wasteful. One commentary says going beyond pleasure to vice, meaning you've gotten so sick in your predilections and your desires that just you keep feeding it and it just gets more demented. And that's why here James refers to them being fattened. You fatten your hearts in the day of slaughter. So the third charge brought against the, the greedy rich is living in self-indulgence. The rich are so consumed with their excessive greed that they are oblivious, that they are fattening themselves for the day of slaughter. So people are going hungry and dying. And yet they will die because they're so fattened by their greed, by their pleasures. Now this phrase, the day of slaughter, is not a good term. It's a term that's used by the prophet Jeremiah of coming judgment on the day of the Lord. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Revelation, all use the day of the Lord, this term of slaughter. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul gives Timothy directives. You remember this? On how wealthy Christians are to live. So this is a lesson we could take, not to be these greedy rich people who are fattening their their hearts for the day of slaughter. So it's coming judgment on them that will not befall us as followers of Jesus Christ. However, we have to keep our heart in check as as well. And that's why Paul told Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Those storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life, end quote. So that's a great example, you guys, of seeing what James is calling out. And then you see later Paul's last letter to Timothy about how we as Christians are to live. Now, we are rich, my friends. If you're listening to this in America, 
most of us in America are, far, are, are considered to be rich people to most of the world. And I think we often take that for granted. And I just pray during this podcast, even as I just repent, say, Lord, God, thank you for the blessings you've given me. And then verse six, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So the fourth charge against the greedy rich is having Christians murdered for their faith. The rich control the court systems through bribery and threats. So if you, if you, if you try to turn against a landowner, a merchant, a tenant, these tenant farmers, they're the ones that were in power. And they'll have you put in, in prison or they'll have you killed. This phrase resists you. James depicts the righteous as people who do nothing wrong and they didn't fight back and yet the wicked had them killed. So it, this language here, you can miss it, but in the Greek, they are being called out. They did nothing wrong. They worked. They were not given their wages. Their, their family is in dire need when the, when the, the greedy rich uh, fight against them. They don't fight back. They don't, they're not trying to cause any trouble, and yet the wicked will still kill them. And we know that still happens today, you guys. When people get so greedy, they'll do anything to protect their kingdom, to protect their wealth. So, I mean, what does this have to do awaiting the return of, of God? A lot. Because if we get so consumed in the ways of this world, you guys, we miss out. And what, what, what James is telling the greedy rich is judgment's going to come on you. And what we are reminded as Christians is, you know what? We have to resist the temptation to, to to fall into wealth that we start idolizing. So I just pray that your treasures are in heaven. And if God has blessed you here on earth with resources and you have many things to give back to people, I pray that you would not be greedy for gain, that you would not um, ignore the needs around you, but that you allow God to use you to be a blessing and to live a humble and generous and cherished life. That's what we need to see more of you guys. So I pray this has been a blessing to you guys as we looked at James chapter five. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.